0: Hello, and welcome back to the PitCon podcast. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Philip Bevilacqua about the world of RNA chemistry. Be sure to like, follow and subscribe to the PitCon podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi, I'm Phil Bevilacqua. I'm a professor of chemistry and biochemistry and molecular biology at Penn State. I'm also the department head there and my, uh, my research is in the area, general area of RNA chemistry and RNA biology.
0: Great. And um, talking about RNA biology, how has interest in, as well as our understanding of RNA, changed over the past 10 years?
1: Yeah, I've been myself working in the RNA field all the way back from when I was a graduate student and throughout my independent career, which has now been 25 years and then I'd say um, it's been super exciting all that time. The last 10 years has been a real explosion in our understanding of the importance of um, RNA and biology from um, microRNAs and um, CRISPR for gene editing, both of which have won Nobel prizes. And then, of course, with the pandemic, um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is an RNA virus, and then the vaccines were made out of RNA, made out of mRNA. So it's just been uh, an incredible period of time for RNA.
0: No, definitely. And um, talking specifically about um, these different kinds of forms of RNA, what is a tautomer, and how does it relate to RNA's chemistry?
1: So there's been a, a huge amount of interest lately in modifications to RNA. So RNA is actually a really simple polymer. Um, it's very similar to DNA, which almost everybody is familiar with. There's only four different side chains and, um, and they look pretty similar. There's kind of two sizes. There's a big one and, um, in A and G and smaller ones in C and T for DNA or C and U for RNA. So there's, and, and they look pretty similar, so there's not a lot of sort of molecular variation there. And so there's been a, an explosion of interest in covalent modifications to RNA. So where RNA is modified with a methyl group or an acetyl group, um, and that regulates gene expression. What our particular uh, symposium was on is on ways in which RNA gets modified non-covalently, And that is an example is a tautomer. And in tautomer, the, the smallest um, and the simplest element is hydrogen. And the hydrogens move around as protons or proton transfer. So they move from this position up to, to that position. And while that might not seem like it's that important, it's actually critical because it can change base pairing specificity and refold um, RNAs.
0: And what are the usual methods that you'd use to investigate these um, RNA torsumels?
1: Sure. Yeah. So th- so there's two broad approaches. One is computational approaches mm-hmm. where we look at databases of RNA structures that that have been submitted to databases and we analyze those on the computer or do simulations with force fields like molecular dynamics or even quantum mechanics. And then the other approach is purely experimental, is to go into the lab and try to measure differences. And those can, those experiments, um, my lab is primarily experimental, although we do some of the computation. And that can be how, uh, the bases react with small reactive molecules. And if there's, if there's not a hydrogen, it might react. And if there is a hydrogen, it won't react or it will react with a, with a different, um, uh, species. That's one. One way, and the other are different types of spectroscopies in which we use electromagnetic radiation, and it interacts with matter, and we can get information uh, that way too as well.
0: And talking a little bit more about the first method you mentioned, what are the benefits of combining these computational and wet lab um, experiments to investigate RNA tautomerism?
1: You know, I think um, it's it's computational chemistry has come so far um, in in the past, let's say, 25 years. Also, there was a Nobel Prize in Chemistry, uh, I think it was back about five years or so, for development of computational methods. And so um, so it allows one to investigate problems that um, are very, very difficult to do experimentally, if not impossible to do experimentally. So we can move these hydrogens around, for example, and ask, which structure is more favorable, more likely to be populated? But, of course, um, we still need to do the experiments to see how it really comes out, and to, it's really it's really the marriage between the two that is really where where the strength is.
0: And are there any challenges that you've um, either faced yourself or that you've seen in the field with investigating these RNA molecules?
1: Yeah, there's there's lots of lots of challenges. Um, uh, First off, RNA is not a particularly stable molecule. And so do, working with it in the lab is always challenging. It, it can degrade from enzymes that are in, in the cell or in cell lysates will degrade the RNA to it's chemically not very stable. So we have to take lots of precautions when working uh, with RNA um, to do these types of experiments.
0: And- Why is it so beneficial to broaden our understanding of RNA chemistry, particularly in the context of understanding how biological systems have evolved over time?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, certainly there's just um, Doing basic research, which is always really important, just curiosity driven research, um, how does RNA, which is such a simple molecule with just these four side chains, um, enhance its diversity? Um, but then uh, this is important for for many uh, practical problems, human disease, cancer, so on, so that we can understand better how RNA might refold and that might change gene expression and then um, and then how that can be targeted uh, with small molecules, with therapeutics. Almost all of the conventional drugs that we have and that we use now target proteins. There's only a very few that target RNA, and those that do tend to target ribosomal RNA. Um, and yet, um, the vast majority of the genome is, is transcribed into RNA, but is not translated into proteins. So there's this vast array of druggable molecule in RNA if we can sort of unlock how to do that. And, and one of our speakers, uh, Amanda Hargrove, is was focusing on that particular aspect.
0: No, it certainly is a rather interesting area of um, genetics at the moment, isn't it? And... What are you working on right now that you think is like the most exciting?
1: Yeah, so what I talked about um, today is one of the one of the areas that's particularly uh, interesting, and that is is looking um, at whether RNA is adopting these different tautomeric states or different charged states. So where it's not always neutral, so the bases can pick up a proton and become positively charged, or drop one and become negatively charged and um, we've been studying that for for almost my whole career but what we've developed over the last decade here uh, at Penn State with a number of colleagues, uh, especially my my colleague um, Sally Osman in the biology department, are ways to use next-gen sequencing technologies to investigate reactivity of RNA, not just um, in one transcript or one uh, functional RNA that might only be 100 nucleotides, but looking across an entire uh, transcriptome that might be uh, tens or hundreds of millions of different bases. And so, so new technologies to basically increase our odds of finding these, these rare but really important states.
0: Oh, that sounds really interesting. So talking more about your attendance at um, PitCon today. For the last two years, PitCon had to place its face-to-face events on pause because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But what benefits um, can be kind of gained from attending these face-to-face events?
1: I guess I'm a bit old fashioned and I feel like um, the interactions between people are, uh, are much stronger and the connections much stronger when they're in person. And so it's exchanging ideas, it's, it's uh, developing new collaborations uh, and, and ideas that I feel like only happen when people, people are face to face.
0: No, definitely. And what are you most looking forward to for PitCon San Diego next year?
1: I haven't gotten that far yet, but <laughs> probably the, the fact that it's in San Diego, which is a lovely thing. And I think one of the exciting things about, about PitCon is always seeing all the new technologies, all the new instrumentation. Um, I would say, in my own research, that it's about 50% technology development and about 50% application to biological problems. So it's, it's always exciting to see that, that aspect of things.
0: Every month, we will be sharing an exclusive interview with some of PitCon's four leaders. Remember to leave a review, share the episode, and follow the PitCon podcast to hear firsthand when new episodes are out.